0: Welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson are brothers and business partners of the top landscaping company, Nature's Experts. Nature's Experts is home to six companies that cater to all your outdoor needs. To learn
1: more about Jeff and Jonathan, simply visit us at www.naturesexperts.com. On the podcast, Jeff and Jonathan bring together other business owners and entrepreneurs to share with you how they developed a prosperous company and how you can too. You will gain insights and meaningful advice on creating the building blocks to success and longevity in the entrepreneurial realm. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sopher and Jonathan Wolfson.
0: Good morning, Len. Thank you for joining us on the Cultivating Success podcast today. We are really excited to have you here today. As always, we want to continue to make sure we're continuing to grow our minds with connecting with other like-minded people to really kind of continue to cultivate and grow and develop each other with different ideas and strategies with different parts of the market. So we're excited to have you here to have your business consulting and your business attorney strategies to see how we can actually help all of our listeners.
1: Well, good morning, Jonathan. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. I'm very excited about being here with you. And hopefully some of the things I can share will help you.
0: Well, we're not just here for me. We're definitely here for everyone who's listening also too. You know, we want to make sure that, you know, we can always deliver new, interesting information that can really dial in from your perspective and mine. That's real business owners. We're not people who are consulting only. You're actually dealing with real business owners. We are a real business owner. So I really would like to dive into exactly what you do. There's two different uh focuses in your business. You are a business attorney and you've also done business consulting now. So I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about each one and kind of describe how they both kind of work together.
1: Well, um, as an attorney, when I was practicing, I was always like behind the desk um, papering deals, essentially writing contracts, doing negotiations and things like that. So I wanted to learn, like you're saying, I mean, we're here to teach people who are listening to this and hopefully they can pick up some of the ideas that we share here. But I also wanted to learn more about the life of an entrepreneur. So eventually when I, as a business attorney, I did a pretty large deal and handled it primarily by myself, but When I saw it was for real estate investment trust. And when I saw the list of partners on there, I'm like, I'm not really making any difference at all in the lives of these people. So I ultimately decided to go out and open my own practice, which meant then I had to learn the other side of the table, which is being an entrepreneur and bringing clients in. And at first it wasn't that difficult. Two
0: different different functions.
1: Absolutely. Not not
0: every attorney is a good business person and not every good uh, business person that is an attorney is a good attorney.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I've seen bad on both sides and, you know, I've had my clients make some really bad mistakes, which I've learned from. Um, Usually if they've already signed a contract or whatever, and then they come to me, it's kind of too late because there's no negotiation. You know, they've signed something and I guess that's one of the things I would say to people who are listening is um, be sure to get the right professional help when you need it. But instead of waiting until something goes wrong because then it's more expensive and um, it can lead to a lot more stress and damage to your business. But
0: no, it really goes to relationships, though, because like, you know, developing a a good, successful business at a point, you need to make sure you have all the resources and having all the resources is having legal advice. It might not actually be a business attorney. It could just be an attorney. And, uh, you know, it's trial by error moving forward, you know. (laughs) not having one is not a good plan. Having right. one is a good plan, but Definitely. then knowing what to look for in a better one is a good idea also too, because as your business grows, the attorney that you choose may or may not continue to grow with the needs of your business. Uh, we have found for us, it we actually have different attorneys that help with different components to get the Absolutely. proper advice mm-hmm. Because one singular attorney can't help with every single business problem right. typically people are trained specifically for specific you know functions in the business whether it's employment whether it's contracts whether mm-hmm. it's you know different things like that
1: agreed agreed um and what i found with my clients was that they needed more than just legal advice so that's when i took up the consulting piece um i went to uh, a business event by tony robbins business mastery and um i knew that it was so generalized. There was, I mean, there's so much that he tries to teach and, you know, you get overall concepts and principles. So while I was actually at that event, I started a group. It's like, let's implement this stuff together. And that group lasted what's going, it's still going on actually. So it's going on to six years, but that's, yeah, it's really, it's really great. I've got about uh, 2,600 people in the group, but we um, met every single Monday night during that time. And the reason I wanted to do it was, you know, number one, to implement what I've learned, to learn more, because I hadn't really, as an attorney on the attorney side of the table, been able to, to pick up on all these principles and things. And then, um, you know, leading it actually was pressure for me to stay on top of all of these principles. And then, um, you know, I just kept taking deeper and deeper dives. So um, as You're I continue...
0: in a leadership position, is Mm -hmm. really the key kind of to continuing to grow yourself because typically when you are a leader, you're never really prepared. And (laughs) as you continue to lead, you should be growing the people around you where you've been to where you still have to figure out where you want to go. So it's a constant evolving process to be a leader that really is extremely rewarding, but it's also really stressful because you have to like Mm Constantly surround yourself with new ideas, new people, you know, you created like this large mastermind, which is really interesting of people that it doesn't really matter what service you're in, you know, principles of business really align and Mm -hmm. situations aren't ever the same period like there is no like exact same situation so it doesn't really matter if you're selling spoons or if you're selling landscaping or if you're selling real estate there's negotiation there's principles there's tactics there's different things that you, know, you have to kind of pick and choose from your arsenal of experience
1: Exactly, exactly. And I definitely got to expand doing that. So that's when I decided to just add the consulting piece in because a lot of my clients who were buying businesses, buying assets or doing whatever it was that they were doing, um, needed just a little bit more guidance than the legal stuff. I mean, I can tell them to go and incorporate and keep their books up to date. Um, I can tell them, you know, to, to sign contracts with people they're doing business with to make sure they have employment agreements. I mean, NDA agreements uh, or non-disclosure agreements, NDAs for if they're discussing something that's confidential with somebody else. I mean, there's so many things, um, that I can, you know, provide as a, a legal person, but from a practical perspective, um, as they're doing things, I can see like one, one client in particular bought a business uh, with rentals on it. It was a hospitality type business and she knew absolutely nothing about it. The buildings were older. Um, so I got in there and I'm, I'm like starting to brainstorm with her. Okay. You've got this shop. Why don't you offer sandwiches once you, you know, all these kinds of things. And, um, attorneys don't always do that kind of stuff. So I enjoy the consulting piece because then I can see really tangible results of how principles and ideas and things that we share uh, can actually make a big difference for a business. And from the consulting perspective and the leadership perspective, if you're in business, you're in a leadership position. So if you have teams, if you have employees, you have to be on stage or you have to be the person at all times to lead and show the example of how you want your business run for all of that. So.
0: Definitely interesting because you have to wear two specific hats because being an attorney, you don't specifically give opinions, really. You know what I mean? Right. You give scenarios for the person to choose. Right. You really almost have to actually wear two different hats. One hat is your attorney hat and say, this is what you want. This is your answer. This is what you should do. Mm-hmm. you know i advise you do one of these different options the thing is when you get to know people though and you get to know what they like to do what they don't like to do what they're trying to achieve through these different you know contracts or structure or a deal or negotiating you do really get to actually see somebody kind of deep down exactly what they are like and mm-hmm. you can really give really good advice that someone who even knows them might not know because how you handle yourself in a pressure situation, how you are looking forward to grow and develop and structure your business. These are different things that like, even people around you and your colleagues might not actually see, you know, that you're actually really trying to work on that. You actually could be somebody who's firsthand seeing it to say, listen, Hey, I see that you're really wanting to achieve this. You know, why don't we finish doing this and really start working on the consulting side. So is your consulting side, is it coaching more so or like, so after you transition someone from doing, let's just say a contract and um, completing maybe a transaction, you know, how do you transition the person into actually a consulting?
1: Sometimes it is continuing to give advice, but it's not legal advice, you know, like setting up systems and things like that. There's nothing about, I mean, it's good to have them. But it's certainly not legal advice to do that. So I can recommend to them to do that and encourage them to start building those things out. Um, but if they want my help, then, you know, I jump in and help them do that. But primarily, I, you know, it's coaching a lot, of course, because um, especially people have never been in business before and they jump into something massive like this, they really don't know how to handle things. So, like now, um, trying to develop a, a really comprehensive system so that I can pretty much just hand somebody something and say, here's some of the steps that you need to to follow and then check in with them once a week. And then if they need additional help from there, we go into a different uh, scenario with how I help them. So whether it's um, giving them the structure, encouraging them to do it, or then stepping in and doing it. So however they need me to show up is how I've been showing up. So So we, we
0: have a business coach. A lot of our listeners know we've had him on this show actually a couple of times already. mm
1: -hmm. And we have
0: a business coach. We've had one for four years now, and it definitely starts off a little like, why do I need this random person who doesn't really know anything about me and Mm -hmm. knows very little about my business? How are they going to be able to help me? And it's interesting. It's not really a direct correlation to what they know about your business, but a direct correlation to what they know about people. Right. So our business coaching, whenever we have our whole entire management staff actually uses our business coach mm-hmm. so we can kind of share that same cohesive bond together and really be able to share experiences if there's different inter problems or whatever they can kind of problem solve you know amongst us as well too. and the first thing we usually start with is a disk assessment mm-hmm. and the disk assessment is really a powerful tool by answering answering these different questionnaires. This is the very first thing that we did when we first joined and when we have new employees that go on to it to really understand what kind of personality traits that they have. You know, These personality traits really dictate how you really need to communicate with somebody to be an effective leader, to be an effective communicator and to actually get things done. And knowing what type of person, if you need to be a direct or if there's someone who's more creative or if Mm -hmm. they're more just depending on what they actually fall with the disc alignment. It's really something I think that is an unbelievable tool that I think that could really help you or anybody who's out there. If you're looking to, you know, use that internally with your team, you can look up disk assessments and they're just questionnaires. They're a list of questionnaires and it puts you on a disk assessment sheet where it kind of says what your traits are and where they fall. And then what are the characteristics of that trait? So if when you take it and I take it and I am in one category and you're in an opposite category, I know that I need to speak a certain way to you. You need to speak a certain way to me, which can make our communication much more easy, efficient, and quick. But you also have to be somebody who is actually willing to be like, I don't, I just want to talk how I want to talk. You have to be willing to understand. I'm looking to make sure we're moving the business forward or the relationship forward. And I want to make sure that they hear me.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. Um, And if you don't do the DISC assessment or or any of the other assessments that are out there, you can also just ask your employees, what is it that you would like to do or your team members? And I agree with the DISC assessment. It's a phenomenal tool. But if you don't have that coach or you don't have those resources yet, you can actually sit down and just say, um, what else is it that you like to do besides what your job is? You know what additional responsibility, and then find I, out what their interests are um, firsthand.
0: I love that because the thing is, you know, some people have a problem with starting. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm saying, "Hey, you can literally go online, look up disc assessment. You can mm-hmm. fill out a questionnaire. You can do it. Absolutely. You know what? You don't want to do that? No problem. Then just ask the person. You know what I mean? What is it that upsets you, uh, or you don't like about when I ask you to do something, or just ask them." Any multitude of questions that you can understand more about their different learning style, what they like to do outside of work, what, you know what I mean? Like, these are all different things where you can use tools and resources, but there's no excuse for for trying to better improve your communication skills.
1: Right. Right. Agreed. I mean, you're responsible for how your communication is interpreted by the person you're talking to. So if you don't know how to talk to them, then you have to shift your approach until you do know how to talk to them. So, uh, and again, like you said, the DISC assessment is very, very good about that, but also just having a conversation with people and then picking up on their cues. Um, you know, one of the Biggest concerns I hear from business owners is how, first of all, they're afraid to bring people in and train them because they might leave. So then they end up trying to take on everything for themselves. And these are for like really small businesses that are maybe just one or two people. Uh, So when they start to bring in their first employees, they're afraid to delegate, they you know, and teach them too much. They may go out and compete with them and things like that. But the whole key in keeping those people is you know to have your values and you know all the things that people might buy into with your company. Established and communicated to them, and then to find out how uh, they could take on additional responsibility and want to take on that responsibility to help you grow your business and become a part of your business versus just a paycheck employee. You
0: know, I've, I've found on some of the when we first started out, me and Jeff in 2013, we bought a Sherlock Tree Company. It was a small company, it literally had four people plus me, and then mm-hmm. it was three people and then plus mm-hmm. me. Um, And I was one of the trimmers. I answered the phone. I did the collections. I did the payroll. I did all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It was a very small company at the time or whatever. And the only way to do things in the beginning is to literally just take charge and be the one who I can do anything. And people are motivated by your tenacity to Mm -hmm. get out there and make sure and be able to know that you can do anything and that your goal is to continue to keep growing the company. You can figure out and you can say it in any fancy form and fashion all you want to or whatever, but the proof ultimately is in the result. It is either units of something being sold or your revenue growing up or your customers or your employees, however, whatever matrix that you're particularly gauging it by internally, there is no other substitute. If you aren't actually really leading and you aren't actually in front being the one who is most proactive mm-hmm. about moving the business forward, no one's going to follow what are they going to right. believe. Right. And you don't really know who's going to really be along with you on the whole journey. You know, I've, I've found that I always want to like, at this point in our business, be transparent to people because I don't want people to come in and then leave. It's just an aggravation. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not that it doesn't happen. It's just that it's just literally a waste of time. Please don't waste my time. I don't want to waste your time. Right. And uh, you know, it's really something that, you know, now, you know for our business we're a small business we want to, there to be upward mobility it is the only way that we're going to continue to be successful is that Absolutely. we provide upward mobility and that we show all these different avenues that if they are willing to start here and then you know step out of these different zones that they can continue to make more money because we are going to be leading the pack of how the business is going to keep growing so, if you're willing to take on additional responsibilities, I'm willing to keep making sure we keep growing the business moving forward.
1: I love that. I love exactly the way you describe that. I mean, setting the example first, doing whatever it takes. Um, and you're right; it does it does inspire those who are working with you. It's like, gosh, if he's working that hard, why can't I jump in there and do? what he's doing or help out as much as I can. Um, It's often a whole lot more than about a paycheck for, for people. They, they love taking on the additional responsibility. And I love how you're encouraging um, your employees as they come in to start at a certain place, learn that, and then keep progressing through. There's just different phase.
0: You know, there's different phases of a business. You know, when we first bought that one company, it was doing like $450,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And it had a lot of overhead. We bought a business, we bought a property. There's other different things associated with it, and um, you know there isn't another option really. You know, this right? Is what we have to do. This is the resources. These are the obligations. We have to make it work. I need a paycheck, so on and so forth. But mm-hmm. not everyone is really willing to go to the to the nth degree. Right. You know, at the time we technically bought a business, right? So I could have treated it like a business, and I'm like a special owner, uh, but I didn't. I I was like, all right, I need to learn how to trim trees. I need to learn how to drive a truck. I need to learn how to back Mm -hmm. the truck up. I need to learn um, how to do collections. I need to learn how to do all these different functions. And whether you like them or not, you have to push the envelope of what you're comfortable with. No one particularly likes to get 50, 100 phone calls in a day. But the thing is that you need to max yourself out before you start replacing yourself and your obligations. And people do that a little too early sometimes where they don't actually max out what they're really capable of to where Mm -hmm. you actually can look at what you're actually inefficient. So it's okay to be really, 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 really busy. Nothing wrong with that. Right. But there is a difference between being really busy in the beginning as an, an entrepreneur and being inefficient. The second you start to become inefficient, you need to start figuring out how you can replace and you can use leverage. You, know, you really don't start using leverage of other people until you get to a certain size. And I think that a lot of people have heard that word you know, through these different you know, uh, you know, promoters out there, I would say, and business owners about using leverage. And leverage is really something you use at a higher scale, not a beginning scale. You know, In the beginning, you need to get out there and get to work. And you need to do as much for as long as you can at the most sustained rate that you can where you don't literally burn out but you don't really, you just want to get your like, for us, it was like, all right, we're going to get to a certain point, And then when we get to this certain point, then we're going to replace, then we're going to replace. And then you like keep hitting the same wall and then you keep adding at the same time.
1: Absolutely. Well, you had, excuse me, you had it mapped out. I, you know, I love the way that you did that. Um, and I agree, if if the owner doesn't know about every aspect of the business, and they don't have to be an expert. I mean, you know how to drive a truck if you have to drive a truck, right? Somebody's out and you need to go trim a tree. Now you know how to do all that stuff. But I think that the owner does need to know something about every aspect of the business and have worked in it. And that's what I encourage my clients to do. Um, and in the beginning, most of them have to do that anyway. I was in-house and part owner of a business in um, South Florida as well. And I saw a very different leadership style than what you're talking about, where you encouraged people, you um, offered them incentives to keep moving forward. One of the owners of that business uh, decided to lead by fear. And he just, um, he was basically, you know, if you did one thing, it's like, well, when's the next thing going to be done? There was no recognition for getting the one thing done. And, I saw how that impacted the morale of the employees and ultimately that business failed because people started leaving. Now, part of having a business too is you're going to get people who don't really want to do the work. I mean, and so you've got to let those go and then replace them with the people who do. And it sounds like you've got that in place with the businesses that you have. But um, another aspect of the business.
0: Also to, to pick, to pick up on that also too, you know, It is, there's a certain level of getting the right people on the bus and the wrong people off of the bus, which is a certain amount of transition within your business. Mm -hmm. But then also do people do change what they want Mm -hmm. out of life changes, Mm -hmm. what they feel about the business changes, your alignments might change also too. So it's very, i found it's very important to be in alignment with your employees to really know them, what makes them tick. So you can actually pick up on these cues Mm-hmm. Because at the same time, you don't want that toxic nature inside the business either. It's not productive, right? You know, someone who is a really happy employee who is doing a great job and wants to keep going moving forward, next to somebody who's kind of half in and half out, it's not a great situation to be in, right?
1: Well, you—I don't know if you've heard the old adage or uh, Tony Robbins said this at his event. I don't, don't want to like necessarily pr- promote that, but one of the things he did say was, um, "You've got to hire slowly and fire quickly." And um, that is such a wise thing to do. So if you see that somebody is toxic and causing problems, then you don't try to talk them down or whatever. Maybe you do at first, but then once you realize nothing's going to change or something has changed in their life that's caused them to have that attitude, then you need to let them go as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, that's interesting yeah. how you uh, you say that whenever people like I would say management, not, you know, for our interests, we have we have skilled uh, employees. The mm-hmm. so skilled employees are a little bit different, I think, than management in general, because there is a certain level of loyalty. They have different needs. They definitely need to have different, you know, money demands, and they can, you know, get situations that come up where they get like a bump in pay if I move from this company to that company. So a little bit different as far as how you would handle. But for our management, whenever someone approaches us who's uh, saying that they're they're thinking about leaving. The mm-hmm. very first thing I say to them is I 100% support whatever you want to do, but I want to talk to you about this, but I'm not here to convince you. It's the right. last thing that I, I, I don't want to convince you. So If you're looking to be convinced, my, this conversation is not going to be convinced. I'm going to tell you why I think this is a good position. I don't know why you want to leave. I want to understand why that, you think that's a better opportunity than this one. So I can understand what this business needs to provide either to you or to somebody else. To make it more of a long-term position, but I definitely agree with that. You, there, there is no, there is no like kind of trying to convince, especially management. If you try to convince mm-hmm. management or whatever, it all it does is it just it delays it, and it'll delay it a pretty good amount of time. You might get you know uh, a quarter or six months or a year, but ultimately the person's gonna, you know, their brain is gonna keep growing. They're gonna mm-hmm. keep you know, thinking this opportunity and the grass is always greener on the other side. And it may very well be, I don't know. Every situation is really unique, right. but it is really interesting that you say that because, you know, you really want to make sure you do hire slow, fire fast, but then you also too don't want to make, you don't want to do things to make people to stay. You mm-hmm. want them to want to stay. If you I can't can. give them the facts and that's not enticing enough, then there isn't really anything to give. And throwing money at situations is the absolute worst, worst, worst thing you can do in trying to solve any solution or whatever. That's if it's right. like I said, if it's like our skilled labor that we have in our business, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. If the value is there, but you typically have a certain procedure of increases and they might skip a step or the timeline might be increased, you know, sometimes it's really supply and demand related. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as management, you know, if you're wasting six if you pay someone more money, you're ultimately just wasting that money for six months while they're probably still going to leave. They're still going to do what they're going to do. So you might as well literally not have that person and spend the next six months training the next person who is the right person to stay.
1: Right. Well, and I think for me when I hear somebody is thinking about leaving anyway, there's, you know, of course that little red flag, you know, you I like that you said that you would have the conversation to see what that's all about. But then, after you've had that conversation, for me, it would be like the trust level goes down. and continuing to hold on to that person for one of the some of the things that happened in the business that I was involved with was that, um, Sometimes we did, you know, talk to people about staying, you know, what's going on and, and try to understand what it was, give more money, whatever it was. It wasn't always the right technique for us, for sure. But then at the end of the, the day, um, we found out that they were collecting more information about our company to take to some, you know, to a competitor.
0: That's definitely, I think, industry specific, you know, in, yeah. in a service, in a service based industry. Listen, if I tell you that we charge X. And you charge Y, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna charge two dollars less. It, there's, it, you can't do that, really. Right? Do you know what I mean, I it's because your cost of acquisition and your customer relationship, it, it's not really like a function you can squeeze in there. Because they could call my company, and then they mm-hmm. could call your company, and even if you know my price, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're gonna say lower than me. You might be like, oh, when I'm bidding against Jonathan, I'm gonna charge X, but you never know when you're bidding against me. So you right. have your own business you know, markup, you have your own, you know, expenses, you know, what we charge is based upon our expenses and what you charge should be what is based upon your expenses, not just what you feel. It's not a feeling what you charge. It should be what you need to charge to run a successful, profitable business. Right. To pick up on what you said about being in the back of their head. I think that's, you know, as a business owner specifically, it's kind of, it's not every conversation and you don't need to take it to heart. But there is like a little something that you do need to kind of keep a little in the back of your mind when you have different conversations about where people are at. But I right. don't think that you have to write it off. I think that a real if you have a relationship before, you know, it's relative to the time horizon before mm-hmm. if this is somebody you've met for uh, a month, then, yeah, it's, it's not going to work, right? If this is some, a relationship you've had for a year or two, then at the same time. If you want to really be part of that person's life, you have to understand what they actually want out of their life. Agreed. What are they really looking for out of their life, and what is um do they actually need? You know, and you have to really be there for that person. Because if you're not and you're faking it, they're going to know and they're going to leave. And right. anyways, if you have a real relationship, you should be able to have a real conversation.
1: Right. I agree with that. And that was one thing that was kind of missing in this business is that. Um, it, it, it was, I want to say kind of a power struggle sometimes, uh, with, there were two partners and they were kind of pulling at each other, but also, um, and because of that, I think it created probably not as an effective team with the employees. And then again, the, um, the negativity from one of the partners definitely created that whole thing. So again, the leadership really matters. And if your leaders aren't behaving properly, if they don't have their values and their vision and everything in line with their business, and they're not aligned with their employees, as you were talking about, then when they make certain comments or do whatever it is um, to upset the employees, then, um, and then you find out that they may be thinking about leaving or uh, something else, then That's a different situation. And that was definitely one I was exposed to. And of course, my my um, the hairs on the back of my neck kind of stand up a little bit more when I hear there's maybe some problems among the ranks, but you had a completely different leadership style, excuse me, style. And you're transparent with your people. You've built relationships. And I think that's another thing that's missing in some of these businesses is that people don't take the time to build the relationships with their own culture, with their own um, employees. You so
0: bring good, You bring up another good point about the different stages in a relationship and a business. Mm-hmm. There is the beginning stages and growth part of the business. And in the beginning growth start parts of the business, you actually do things And you have the intention of long term, but you Mm -hmm. do things selfishly for your short term. Right. So I am looking for you to help me to sell more, do more, fix more, whatever your particular job is. Right. I want you to stay, but regardless, this is my need. And as as you move forward, you know, you start collecting more pieces that are going to stay longer. And I think as you do that, you get more of the option of what I'm saying to really have a relationship conversation versus Mm -hmm. a Need and a want conversation. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Well, I mean, you have to build relationships in every aspect of your business, from from your suppliers and vendors and customers, and and your employees, your partners, your uh, your stakeholders. If they're different than your partners, I mean, you have to have those relationships. You have to have transparency, and I think sharing, um, you know, where your company is as far as its growth strategy and all of those other things, so that people have that option that you provide them again a lot of businesses don't to get on board and to take on more and more responsibility do additional training and things like that to stay with you those are precious relationships that you want to continue to foster but if you're in uh you know a different kind of business again in startup and you still don't know people very well and you're you know maybe the one that's having to do most of the work then you you know if you don't develop those relationships and then people start getting on edge then that's when I guess you start noticing when it could be a problem and they could take off and maybe do damage to your business. But, um, of course,
0: yeah, I'd like to ask a a couple more questions. One of them. So I'm going to ask one question is going to be, uh, what is the number one mistake as it relates to your business attorney experience? Like what is the most common mistake When you meet people and the question that you get asked and or the situation that you're in, that's the biggest mistake, you think?
1: Um, I think, okay, from a legal standpoint, um, the most common thing that came in uh, that would come in is um, is so simple. (laughs) People want to sell their businesses, but their records aren't in order. Mm. They haven't kept corporate records, um, you know, especially with the corporation. You have to keep resolutions. You have to do yearly meetings. You have to do those kinds of things. So um, we represented one company they were selling for something like twenty five million dollars. And the other party, when they did their due diligence, saw their corporate records were incomplete. So we had to spend a couple of weeks to update all their corporate records. Now, you can't go back and backdate things. So we had to add, uh, you know, where they ratified all those actions. So we had to do everything from the current date back as much as 10, 15 years. So not keeping um, efficient records um, and not having systems and processes in place.
0: Just so you know, the records, it's home for me um, mm-hmm. because it's it's an evolving thing. You know, mm-hmm. your needs for an accountant is different when you're doing hundreds of thousands, and then your needs at doing five are different, and then your needs at doing over 10 are different, and then your needs mm-hmm. at doing over that are different also too. And I think people ultimately, especially entrepreneurs, you, know, you want to save the money ultimately, right? Of course. And I'm building this business. And especially at the stages from zero to an, and up, you know, it takes an immense about a, amount of reinvesting. And the reinvesting, you're like, all right. Well, so I used to pay, you know, a thousand dollars for this, and then it's two thousand, then it's three thousand, then it's ten, and then it's mm-hmm. twenty, and then it's like, well, I don't need just this document. I need this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, and uh, you know, it really compounds to where it seems like it's not advantageous. But I definitely know from experience, and I would say our books aren't are still. Uh, we're looking to be more close to. The actual date like today up to date with them mm-hmm. like we have obviously all of our transactions and so we know what we bill and we know what our expenses are but right. you know books and records of a large business are much more complex than just those two transactions and uh, it's really something that is a tool to make more money mm-hmm. and I don't think people realize that spending that amount of money on having an account and a CPA an in-house bookkeeper these different things can generate a lot more money. And generating a lot more money upon your exit can be worth a lot more money than what it costs you during those 10 years, too.
1: Exactly. And, you know, people don't, like you said, you're wanting to save money in the beginning. But that's not something
0: you cut corners on, though. You know, knowing your, you numbers, yeah.
1: knowing
0: your numbers and doing it the right way, absolutely, up to date is right. not something that you can afford to do. And I know from experience when you don't do it up to date, It is not a particularly comfortable situation to be in because you're not accurately able to pivot. And the thing is, it's okay for things to change in business, but it's not okay not to know when you need to change or to wait two months. And then you literally are like, I waited two months too long. And guess what happened? I lost this much money. And if Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have lost this money and I would have paid this person back then, I would have lost $0 and I would have made more. It's like...
1: Proving great, my point, yes, right? it, it really preach. is. Uh, preach. Yeah, preach, preach, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, um, that's you know probably one of the top questions that comes in, top problems or challenges or whatever. I've had clients come in after they've signed contracts to sell their business or to buy a business. Um, one in particular signed an as-is contract, so she did no due diligence before signing it. She hadn't hired an attorney to review the contract. I mean. Um, so that turned out to be just a total mess. And she was buying um, a hospitality, a restaurant in a mall that was about to be demolished. She didn't know that because she didn't do her due diligence. She paid oh cash, cash in a oh paper boy. bag up front, handed it to them, signed as is, and then wanted her money back. And okay. I couldn't get it back from her. You know, I just I'm like if you've already signed something, it's probably too late to come see me. Wow. Um, Yeah. So if you're doing something that big and we're not talking small dollars here, it was over a hundred thousand dollars that she put down just as a down payment. So went to, you know, I tried to do some, you know, back paddling with the due diligence. I went to the mall owner and I found out once they're getting ready to tear the whole thing down, the most that she's got here is five or six months. And, um, you know, for her to have to update the premises and, and do all of that stuff was like, uh, it was just out of, out of, the question. So, so wow. she lost over, So, my, over ne- so ahead, my next
0: question. So, we answered the business attorney question. So, now mm-hmm. on to the business consulting. So, mm-hmm. what is the number one um, advice that you give them in the beginning of what they can expect from your consulting?
1: Well, I Work with people, um, business owners, to try to help them find, um, you know, if they're already in business, to help them find places where uh, they're missing profits or overlooking different things that they can do. And then what I do is do a, a full assessment with them. And then we create a roadmap together of how they can work on one part of the business at a time in order to make those improvements. A lot of people, as the owner, think they have to do everything at once and then nothing gets done. So part of the consulting is all right, and, and it's coaching added into it. But it's like okay, the first thing you need to do is um, probably cut costs or raise your prices, so that makes an immediate impact in what you're doing in your business. Um, the second thing is is to get your marketing. That really does clearer. require
0: some coaching, by the way, because no one wants to to get rid of people or reduce costs, and nobody really wants to raise prices because they think they're going to lose they're going to lose customers. Exactly. It's very, it's definitely uh, a conversation that I would say very few people can handle alone. Exactly. It's, that, the answer is obvious. If you're not making enough, you either need to sell more, raise your cost, or reduce your overhead, or right. all three. <laughs> Absolutely. All three. So I think that um, you know it is something that I personally recommend that you know if you don't have a business partner, you do, do need a consultant, you do need a coach, you do need an advisor, you do need, um, you know, someone to really be someone who understands your business to help kind of push you towards the right direction, because Absolutely. it's okay to maybe not make a decision immediately, right? When you get like information, but you eventually need to get there pretty quickly. And the thing is having somebody who's accountable, that's going to say to you, John, so what did you decide to do? Did you decide to increase the price? reduce your expenses? Or uh, you know, what, is, what, what, what direction do you think you're going to go? Because it has to be an active conversation because it really isn't easing. Reducing your costs is a very long, arduous process that requires lots of moving parts to get your costs mm-hmm. to come down. Exactly. And then the same thing for doing an increase. Doing an increase is a long process because you have to figure out you know, how that, how's that going to affect your bottom line? How much, mm-hmm. if you lose a certain percentage of sales, where, where, will your actual net profit be unaffected? You know, these are all different things that, you know, it is a hard decision, but you have to make sure that like, you know, each week, each month, you're moving forward to like get a better situation.
1: Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, the one business I worked with, again, they weren't even breaking even. But they continued to grow. So, all they were doing was increasing essentially the debt load. So, growing without understanding your financials is another problem um, that people may not recognize. So, if you don't even know what your break even point is, you know, truly don't understand how your profits, um, which is, is the money that you put in your pocket, you truly don't understand how the profits in a business works. So, selling more at a loss is creating more debt. So you need to make sure you get a handle on how you're billing. exactly
0: depending on how you get paid. Exactly. Exactly. It's a different answer for a different situation. You know, you business could be uh, not cash flowing and be cash negative, but mm-hmm. it could be wildly profitable, but it might actually take you three or four years to actually see the profits.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's another that's place a, to look a, That's experience. a whole,
0: that's a whole nother conversation all on itself because yep. <laughs> it's something that, that's why it's so important in the beginning years to continue to reinvest and keep your expenses down. Um, but you know, it is important to make sure that like, you know, you, where you want to be and knowing Absolutely. where you want to be, at least makes it worth it when you aren't able to take money out or you have to reinvest money in, cause you know where you're going. And if right. you're, if you start here, and you're here and you know, you're going here, you do know you're closer to your end goal. So it's like, you know, the sacrifices, if it's cash flow or different things like this, whatever you do realize like, all right, well, all this money out in receivables is my money, right? This is what I've been working hard. This actually is my nest egg. Unfortunately, I'm not going to see that that money isn't going to actually make it to me until I get all the way over to here Mm -hmm. and things start to stabilize. Right. So Lynn, I have really enjoyed this conversation with you. I appreciate you being on the Cultivating Success podcast today. I'd love if you could tell our listeners where they can connect with you, if they can get help with their business consulting or any legal advice, please let them know.
1: Okay. Um, The best bell, uh, excuse me, the best way to reach me is uh, for my consulting website. It's visionaireconsulting.group and my legal website is hamptonlegalservices.com. A quick email address is Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E at lynnhampton.com. So I collect everything there and then uh, I can, if I get your email, I can um, obviously respond and, and hopefully we can find a way to help you uh, do what you need to do. So thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this.
0: Lynn, thank you again. It was a pleasure having you here on the Cultivating Success podcast. We look forward to talking again soon. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.
1: Mm-hmm
0: bye
1: This has been the Cultivating Success Podcast with Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan and their businesses, visit www.naturesexperts.com.